I don't know about you, but sometimes Easter morning can seem almost like a little bit of, of an old timer's kind of a tale, if you will. You know what I mean by that? Like sometimes you'll get some old timers kind of talking about the Great Depression or talking about when they were at war and, and the glory days and they'll talk about something years ago and, and those of us who didn't experience that might just kind of go, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, whatever. I didn't experience that, so I don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes Easter can kind of be that same way. Sometimes Easter for people can be a little bit like a, a fable or a fairy tale. Nice Cinderella story, right? You know, the abused child suddenly becomes the princess. Nice. Nice story, but there's no meaning behind it. There's no emotions packed behind it. Easter can seem that same way. Sometimes Easter can seem a whole lot like Christmas or Thanksgiving. Just a great holiday. Family time, good food, good to be together. Is that it? Is that why we're celebrating? Sometimes even we can feel a little bit foolish. The Bible tells us that, that it is foolishness. The cross is foolishness to those who don't know Jesus. It, it's kind of like this. Let me tell you a little story about a young boy who was in class. And he went to classes one day and, and he, he was the kind of boy that tended to get a little bit picked on. He was a little bit unusual and so kids tend to just pick on him a lot. And when he went to class that day, his teacher gave out those eggs. Remember, like nylons used to go in those eggs? Remember those? And I, mean, I don't personally remember those, but <laughs> I've seen them, okay? So she handed out all these eggs to these kids and said, now go outside and find something that reminds you of spring. So they all went out and they were bringing in flowers and butterflies and one child brought in a rock and everybody started laughing. And then one of them was open and there was nothing in it. And everybody said, that must be Phillips. And they started to pick on him. And actually, the teacher said, Philip, is, is that yours? He said, well, yeah. He said, because the tomb is empty. And it reminds me of new life and spring. So for some, Easter can almost make us feel a little foolish because we believe in a tomb that's empty. And for most people, they look at us like, you got to be crazy. Do you know what gets compounded in this? Let me just add to this a little bit. I wonder how many of you are feeling one of these different ways. I wonder how many of you are feeling like either you or someone else has said to you, you're no good. God's not pleased with you and he never will be. Ever feel that way? Ever feel like you're a spiritual loser? Or you've got so many faults and weaknesses, you'll never be able to live the Christian life successfully. You'll never be able to please God. You've screwed up so many times, God is never going to forgive you, ever. You might as well give up You'll never make it. Or how about this? You don't have a chance in reaching heaven. I don't know about you, but I've felt those ways. And I wonder if you have too. And then you get to Easter and you say, so what, God? What, what does it all mean? What does it all mean for us? 
I want you to think about something. If Jesus is still dead, then we all got up too early this morning. Right? We might as well just stay in bed because that would be better than going somewhere and talking about something that has no meaning for any of us. Why, why would we do that? But if he really did die and he really did rise, then we have a reason to get together and we're going to talk more about that. I'd like to encourage you to open up a Bible. You've got these Bibles in the pews. If you don't have your Bible... Now, you need to know something. We got these Bibles to give them away. So if you don't have a Bible or you like this Bible, if you just say, hey, you know, Ed, I kind of like that Bible. Um, take it home with you. Okay, they're new. We just put them in there in the last couple months. And you feel free to open it up, put your name in it and say, this is my Bible. Mark it up as much as you want to. There should be pew Bibles in, uh, underneath chairs and, and in pews. So feel free to use those and take it with you. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's on page 706. Matthew 28, page 706. And we're going to read through the story. Matthew, 20, Matthew chapter 28, page 706. And we'll start right at verse 1 there. After the Sabbath day, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Pretty simple story. Women are coming to anoint Jesus' body. And when they get to the tomb, here's this angel sitting on top of the stone. And after the earthquake, it rolled the stone away, which is unusual because it, had, it rolls a little bit uphill. And then the angel sat on it. And there's some guards there that were to protect, I don't know what. The guy's dead. What are you protecting? He's not going to get up and walk out. But they were protecting people from coming in and taking him. They were protecting it from any rumors. They had heard rumors about this dead guy was talking about raising up again three days later. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. You can look at that in verse 21. So Jesus talked to his disciples and said he's gonna, he is going to die. And then he's going to rise again in three days. So these guards are protecting it. And suddenly when this all happens, they become like dead men. Then the angel said, verse 5, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. There's something missing in the story. There's something notoriously absent. You probably read this a lot of times, but there's something missing. Go back to, if you remember it with Lazarus in John chapter 11, when Lazarus was raised up from the dead. Jesus went to the tomb, a very similar tomb, just a couple of miles from where this tomb was. Jesus goes to that tomb and says, take away the stone. And everybody says, but Lord, there's going to be a smell. He's been in there for four days. 
And he just said, didn't I tell you to believe? And so they roll away the stone and Jesus calls out and says, Lazarus, come out of there. And then he walks out of the tomb and he's got grave clothes. And they say, take the grave clothes off. And that's missing in this story. The tomb gets un, um, you know, the stone gets rolled away and nobody comes out. Isn't that odd? Nobody, nobody came out of the tomb. It's missing. Now, there's no doubt in anybody's mind, if you go back to verse 5, he says, don't be afraid, says the angels. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Do you know that nobody doubts his crucifixion? There's not a historian anywhere that doubts that Jesus was crucified and that Jesus died. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, historically, all of the documents say Jesus was crucified officially. And he died. But then it gets a little muddy about this resurrection thing. So look at verse 6. The angel says, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus never came out, but the women were invited to go in. And it's kind of an oddity. And the oddity is that the grave was opened up so that we could go see. Not so Jesus could come out. He was already out. But the grave was open so that you and I could go see it. It's not very different from when you turn on the news and you see something on the news and they bring you to the location so that you could see with your own eyes what happened. It's the same with this. The tomb was open so that you and I could go in that tomb and see what the angels wanted us to see. Now, this is where uh, you can do this. If you want to go over to John chapter 20, you can read about the story in John 20. But here's what happened. When the women went into, this, into the tomb and they went in there and there's a slab right there on the right-hand side and they saw something that was really strange. They saw the grave clothes and it looked like a cocoon. That there was once somebody in those grave clothes, okay, all of the, the wrappings, but when he came out of it, they just like collapsed, like somebody let the air out of it. But they were all still intact. If somebody came to rob the grave, they would have just picked up the body and run out. They would not stay in there and unwrap him and carry him out and say, wait, 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 wait. We got to make this look real. So let's go back and let's rewrap everything so it looks just like he was still there. I mean, if you're going into rob a place, you rob and you get out of there. But all the, they were still there. And it fascinated them. But there was one more thing that oftentimes you overlook. John talks about this. That says, here was the grave clothes laid out and they just like descended. And off to the side was the napkin, the cloth that was around his head. Now, why is this significant? For you and I, it doesn't mean a whole lot. 
but I think you'll understand it because you're going to go have Easter dinner and you probably do the same thing. In fact, I bet today you might even do the same thing. When you're done eating, what do you naturally do? You wipe your mouth with your napkin, you wipe your hands off, okay? And you just kind of like throw it on the table, right? That means you're done. Well, according to Jewish tradition, that's exactly what you did. You would wrap it, you would just kind of fold it up and, and, or just wrap it up and throw it on the table. That would tell the person who was serving for the dinner that you're all done and they could come and they could clean up your dishes. But if you would take your napkin and fold it up and lay it on the table folded, that said to everybody, I'm coming back. Well, if you walked into the tomb of Jesus, you would see the grave clothes that were like no more air in them because nobody was in them. But then you would see the napkin over to the side and it wasn't just strewn all over. It was folded and set to the side. And what did Jesus say? I'm coming back. It's not over. And so often we overlook that. The open grave is for us to go in. I have to tell you, the highlight of my life, one of the highlights, if not the highest, is when I went to Jerusalem and we went to the empty tomb. And we could go and we could see it because it's still there. And we could go into the tomb. And it was, it was somber. We went over there. We went into the tomb. And I, was, and I was looking at the slab on the right side. I was just looking at the slab and I was trying to imagine the grave clothes. And I was trying to imagine the cloth. And I was trying to imagine Jesus there. And it was strange. I still remember it was like a mental block. I, I could not picture Jesus dead on that tomb. I, I couldn't do it. And then, this is where God is so funny. As soon as I turn around, there's a big sign on the wall. It says, he's not here. He's risen. And it's just like, duh. I was coming in almost like trying to picture dead Jesus. But he's not there. He's risen just like he said. That's why we have an open tomb. Because you're invited to go into the tomb and understand what Jesus did for you. Now, as so often the case, we don't fully embrace that. We, full, we don't fully get it. And oftentimes we don't get it because we don't sometimes understand the relationship that Jesus has with us. It's kind of like this. Okay, I'm, just a show of hands. How many of you are grandmas? All right, we got a lot. How many grandpas? All right, good. We got grandmas and grandpas. Now, just can you picture this? Imagine it's Easter morning and afterwards you're going to go have dinner by your grandkids with your grandkids today and you get to the door and ring the doorbell and because your grandma or grandpa who loves to bring gifts, you've got two bags full of gifts for your grandkids and you come to the door and you ring the doorbell and over the intercom you hear, Grandma, is that you? Yep. Happy Easter. They go, Happy Easter. Uh, grandma, uh, leave the gifts and go home. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, just think about that. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? 
Well, you know, sitting right now on our counter, we have a, a package that we're going to open up today. It's from my mom. It's for all of us. But it's not quite the same. Because who's missing? My mom. Yeah. I mean, she's back with my dad, you know, back in Chicago. You see, there's something missing when you have a gift and not the giver of the gift. And sometimes you and I want the gifts of the open tomb, but not necessarily the giver. And so sometimes what we do is, is when God comes to our home, if you will, we say, uh, could you just leave the gifts of the open tomb? Um, but you can go home now, Jesus, because we're going to have dinner without you. And what happens is we get those gifts, but they're not very meaningful. And so today we're invited to really embrace Easter to understand that the gifts are only an extension of the gift giver. I was trying to get my hands around what does this whole thing mean about Easter and so what if there's an empty tomb? So I decided to go to the cemetery. And on Thursday, took my motorcycle, went over, found a nice cemetery and walked around and friends, you know, there's a lot of heartache in cemeteries. I saw, you know, to mom, to dad. I saw kids that were buried two days old. I saw one family, I can't imagine this. A child died at two years old, and then they had another child two years later, and that one died. And then they had another child, and that child died at two years. All three kids died at two years old. My heart broke. And I asked myself the question, so what about an empty tomb? And you know what? I found an answer there. Because every one of those families who buried somebody had hope. Hope that they would see them again. Hope that they would be in heaven and they would be reunited. You see, the gifts of the Savior with the empty tomb are things that we all want. I mean, I think you'd agree with me that you want to know that you really are forgiven. I think you'd agree with me that you, you don't want God making a list of everything you've ever done wrong in your life and then someday pulling out that list of 100 pages long, single space, and saying, you want to see what you did wrong in your life? I don't know about you, I don't want that. Okay? And so when we understand the gift is that God says, you're forgiven. The list is gone. All the bad is gone. It's on the cross. And we want the gift of hope knowing that if we have a Savior who died and rose again, and then he said, I'm with you always. The hope that we have is that when we, feel, when we find ourselves in a hopeless situation, we have a God who says, there's nothing without hope. Because if he could raise from the dead three days later, then there's nothing that you and I could face that's any worse than that. Amen? Amen. So if everything is less than that, and we have a Savior who can conquer the grave, then there's nothing else in our life that he can't do. And that gives us hope. It gives us peace. Knowing that we have peace with God because of what Jesus did. 
that even though surrounding, surrounding us could be the worst of circumstances, we have a Savior who says, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Now look at verse 8 for just a minute. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with what? Joy. You see, immediately following, immediately after they saw the empty tomb, they had a gift from the tomb, and that was joy. And they were afraid, and yet they didn't even see Jesus. See, they didn't have to see him. They were filled with joy. You and I don't have to see Jesus. We can still be filled with joy. And God fills our hearts with one of those gifts that we know that we have just because of what he did. Friends, we love the gifts, but it's not just the gifts, it's the gift giver. Now there's one more thing that sometimes we can be afraid of or just wonder what it's gonna be like and that's the fear of death. The empty tomb gives us the assurance that what we call the sting of death is taken away. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, we just sang that a little bit ago about the sting of death. Pastor Kurt read that about the sting of death is taken away. And I don't know if I really got it. And this week, I came across a story that so helped me understand it. I think you'll be blessed by it. This dad and his son were driving in a car out in the country, and the windows were down, and this bumblebee came into the car. Well, the young son panicked because he's deathly allergic and knew that if he got stung, he could die. And so when this bee was going around and the, and the son is freaking, around, freaking out, and all of a sudden the dad reaches out and grabs the bee with his hand, and he's holding on to the bee, and then all of a sudden the dad goes, ah, like this, and, and lets the bee go. And the bee's warming around again, and the, and the child's starting to scream again, and the dad reaches out to the son and says, son, it's okay, you're safe now. He said, Dad, I'm going to get stung. And he says, son, look at my hand. He said, there's the stinger right there. You can't get hurt. And all of a sudden, I realized, maybe for the first time in my life, that God took the sting when he died. And we may have things that are buzzing around us that might be scaring us and we're afraid of it and we're unsure. And God says, don't worry. I took the stinger. I took the sting of death. And so we don't have anything to be afraid of. You know what Jesus told about Lazarus? He was talking to Martha and he said, even if you die, you will live. And he who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Is what he asked Martha. She said, yes, Lord, I believe. Now, what does that mean? That means that for you and I, as a believer in Christ, that we go from life to Jesus calls us by name and we go to life. We actually skip that death part. Our bodies may die, but we'll never die. Jesus took the sting of death, friend. I want to encourage you something this Easter. As you're thinking about Easter and God comes to your home with all these gifts, what are you going to do this Easter? Are you going to say to him, hey, leave the gifts, 
see ya, thanks. Or are you going to say to Jesus, you know what, come on in. Open up the door and say, you know what, come on into my life. Come on into my heart. And come in. Because you see, if the grave is empty, then we're full. And you and I can be full, can be full today. Not because of what we've done or haven't done or try to do, but we can be full because the Savior rose from the grave and gave us all of these gifts as His Easter gift to us. Let's pray together. Jesus, how can we thank you enough that you came to this earth, you gave up heaven for our benefit, you died for our sins on Friday, and you took away that sting of death. And then three days later, you rose again, which is why joy is rising. And we thank you that you filled the women with joy. We thank you that you fill us with joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and forgiveness and eternal life. Right this moment, God, we invite you to come into our lives. We invite you to come in on this Easter morning that you would be not just a guest, but you would be family. And we know that when you come into our life, you bring all these gifts that you give to us, and we want to say thank you for those gifts. And we know that they're just an extension of you as the gift giver. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose again three days later, and you won our salvation for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said... Amen. Amen.